Welcome to Cuz We're Nerds, the podcast that covers trends and new releases in comics, movies, video games, board games, and much more. I'm your host, Caleb, and today we're rappelling into Mission Impossible Fallout. Does the new movie live up to the last two installments? Is the aging Tom Cruise able to keep up with all of his crazy stunts? But most importantly, did Henry Cavill really need the mustache? Find all the answers to these questions and much more on this week's episode of Cuz We're Nerds. Welcome back to another new episode, guys. This is Caleb. As you can tell, Zach is not here. Uh, as I mentioned last week, he is off exploring the world, which means I have a special guest. I figured Zach's brothers both have been on the show, so it's about time that my own brother is on the show, and that's why today I have with me my brother Jacob. Hey, everybody. How's it going? It is going pretty great. I mean... I was honored for you to ask me to be on the show. It's it's about time, like you said. I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> well, we are glad that you are here. Uh, before we jump into Mission Impossible Fallout, we've got a couple pieces of news that we are going to cover. Uh, first up is the Disney-Fox merger, which we have not really talked about. I think we talked about it for the first time on our news episode, maybe the first one or the second one. Uh, but the shareholders have met, and I believe 99% of them voted that the merger is going through, so that's awesome. Yes, I am super excited. I remember as a kid watching the X-Men cartoons and seeing the Avengers come in every now and then, and it is super exciting, and hopefully um, we can get to see that in the movies. Yeah, so if you told me five years ago even that Marvel was going to have access to Spider-Man and the X-Men, I never would have believed it. And the fact that they have it now in the movies, well, will have it, um, is pretty great. Now, this isn't 100% that this is going to happen yet. There's still a couple things that they have to do. Obviously, uh, there's some paperwork they've got to file. There's some other regulatory bodies that they have to get on board with this. But the Department of Justice already approved it back in, I think, June. Uh, and so it's it should be smooth sailing from here. Although, from the Marvel side of things, we shouldn't see these coming into the universe for quite a while. Not only that, Caleb, but they have to make some interesting decisions. For example, Deadpool. They have not had an R-rated superhero movie, so bringing this in possibly into the MCU is going to be very interesting with what they decide to do. Yeah, if I had to choose, I think they'll probably keep Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool, and I don't know if they'll keep making Deadpool movies and keep them R, if they will just fold him into other movies, if they will bring it down to a PG-13 Deadpool movie. I'm not really sure. I know Kevin Feige in the past has said he's open to R-rated Marvel movies, so I don't know. I mean, what do you think? I think I enjoy the Deadpool movies. I think it's a bit change of tone from the MCU and from the DC. It's just a totally different type of superhero movie. Um, a more adult type of superhero movie. So I really enjoy going and see it because it's just a different type of tone. All right. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to that. And I think if anyone can pull it off, Kevin Feige is the man. Next up, Jacob, I've got some news that I am actually really happy for. There's been a lot of sad news lately. Um, in Hollywood, there's been a lot of 
um, allegations going around about uh, sexual harassment or abuse or different things. Uh, and one of those people that was accused was Chris Hardwick, uh, who does many things, uh, among which is host the talking shows on AMC. You've seen those, right? Yes, I have. I am a fan of The Walking Dead, and I used to stay up all hours of the night watching Talking with the Dead, but it has been a while since I've done that. Yeah, so uh, basically his ex-girlfriend came out and accused him of emotional and physical abuse. Um, And with that news, AMC decided to not fire him, to their credit, but suspend him uh, and kind of look into these allegations. Well, now they've come back and said, you know what? Our, Our investigation is completed. Uh, and he's coming back. So he's coming back to The Talking Dead. I think there's like two others that he does now on there as well. So for me, I'm just happy to see that one of these people that have been accused, it's not just ruining their life, it's being able to be moved past because, you know, with James Gunn and with several other people in Hollywood, it has really affected their lives. I think I think AMC made the correct decision doing this. Firing can just be so abruptly and it's really hard to take back. Uh, with the way they did this though was very smart, and I only wish talking about James Gunn that Disney would have done this. Yeah, I think that a lot of people agree with you. Um, it's it's just really tough to see someone's life ruined by allegations that might be true, sure, but they could also not be true. And a lot of times we don't have proof either way, um, and it's kind of guilty until proven innocent at this point. Exactly, in my mind. You might as well take the time. You might as well be safe than sorry. Right. All right. Well, that wraps us up for the big things for this week. Of course, you can check out all the news that has happened from the previous week uh, on our Monday episode, Cause It's News, that comes out, uh, well, every Monday, actually. <laughs> uh, but that will be coming out uh, this coming Monday as well. So, Jacob. So, Caleb. We went to the movie theater this past Thursday night. And we saw the newest Mission Impossible, uh, Fallout. Indeed. And, in my opinion, it did not fall out of my heart. Okay. (laughs) Well, the cheese is here today. (laughs) Uh, So, as we always do with these movies, we are going to do a non-spoiler section and then a spoiler section. Of course, this is going to be our non-spoiler section first, where we talk about as much as we can... Uh, before moving on to spoilers. So, Jacob, let's start with the action. This is a Mission Impossible movie. After all, they are known for their action. What did you think? Caleb, I was thinking about this after the movie, and I was going back and forth. There were some amazing action scenes, and then some action scenes I thought they would have taken longer time to hash out, but they were just really short. But if I had to give an overall ranking... I definitely say it was about 9 out of 10. I love the action scenes here, even though some are a little bit short. I thoroughly enjoy every action scene that is in this movie. Yeah, and I think the action in this movie is really intense. Um, it's I feel like ever since, uh, oh, what was it, Ghosts, Ghost Protocol? Yes. Which was number four, when they started kind of bringing these into what I consider the new era of Mission Impossible. Uh, they've stepped up the action a lot. And I think this is the best action that we've ever gotten in a Mission Impossible movie. Um, I'm not even talking about the stunts, the crazy stunts that Tom Cruise does, but specifically just the action. I feel like the fight scenes are intense. I feel like they're hard-hitting. I feel like they're not realistic, but you don't come to see Mission Impossible to be realistic. You come to be entertained. And 
I think that it pulls it off, um, especially with the new style of action that movies are doing now, like John Wick or Atomic Blonde, where it's like really, really fast hand-to-hand combat. Uh, this movie, it might have a little bit of that, but it does kind of its own type of action, but it still works and it still competes with those types of movies. Oh yeah, to me, these the type of action that Mission Impossible Fallout did was more believable than, say, John Wick. You could follow it better. It seemed more believable. The characters themselves were actually getting tired during the fight scenes. So it wasn't like they had unbelievable stamina, which is very believable. Um, and you can actually see it way on the characters, which is something I really enjoyed to see. Yeah, you know, Tom Cruise is in his 50s now. And he's been doing these movies for a long time. And it's very impressive what he can do as a 50-year-old. But there were a few times in this movie I felt like they kind of hinted at him not being as good at it as he used to be. Even though, I mean, he, he's he's in top form here. But they're acknowledging a little bit the fact that he's getting older. Not to the point where it's in your face and they're talking about it or anything. But just little moments here and there that I really appreciated. Oh yeah, and uh, I think we'll talk about that more in Spoiler Zone. Because there's specifically one scene that I can think of that you can really see... They're not pointing at his age, but like I said, you know, Henry Cavill is younger than Tom Cruise. And I feel like in this film, they really portrayed that in certain situations. Mm-hmm. And we'll definitely have to get into that in the spoilers. All right. Speaking of Mr. Henry, uh, we've got a lot to talk about with him. Let's just start out <laughs> with a big thing. Did he need the stash? Caleb, without the stash, this movie would not have been possible. Yeah, I agree, Jacob. You know, here, here's the thing about the stash. The stash ties everything together it makes it grounded it makes it real if you took that away it would just lose all credibility i mean if you took it away some may think you know it would just look very fake you know maybe if someone did it with cgi or something you could tell how it would really look bad but with here i like how they stuck with the mustache he comes across as a business casual type of person and i enjoy that yeah i mean who in their right mind would try to mess with a mustache and cgi in any way i mean that that would be Unheard of and unfounded. I, I for one, am very happy that Mr. Henry decided to grow this mustache and wear it in this movie with such pride. Uh, I only wish that he could have worn a similar mustache in Justice League. In fact, I think there should be some reshoots. I think they should go back and reshoot the entire movie with him with the mustache. (laughs) I can see it right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, in all seriousness, he didn't need the mustache. I I get it. Um... And this actually goes into another point that I, I was going to make a little bit later on is this movie has CGI in it insofar as every single movie we see has CGI in it, but I didn't notice any CGI. And I think that it probably would have been distracting if they put a CGI mustache on him because there's a lot of close-ups of him. Um, the The picture quality is really, really crisp. And so you see the details and in, in everything, including the mustache. And so if you did put a CG mustache in the scene... I think it actually probably would have been distracting. Not not even just with the close-ups, but with the fight scenes. Trying to keep up with his face movement. I mean, there's there's some amazing people that can do CGI, but that would be extremely hard in this movie, uh, taking into account what they're doing during these action scenes. Yeah, so I, I, I mean, I get it that Warner Brothers is upset because they had to CGI it out. I get that fans are upset because it looked like trash in Justice League. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to be completely honest, 
Uh, but here, it, it, it does look really good. Thankfully, it is not a CGI mustache. Uh, I thought he was really good in this movie. He was different than his Superman portrayal. Uh, if you've Have you seen Man from U.N.C.L.E.? Uh, I have not. Okay, so that is a movie where he plays a spy, actually. Um, and so his portrayal in terms of the way he handles himself is very similar to that movie, but not quite as jokey. He's a bit more serious in this movie. Uh, but I, I really enjoyed his performance, actually. If, if Tom Cruise were to retire, I would not have been upset if they had picked Henry Cavill to replace him. For the series. I could have definitely seen that happening. The way that Tom Cruise does these action movies is very intense. And the way that Henry Cavill just stepped up and played along with Tom Cruise, I think he did a stupendous job. Yeah, I I think that he definitely equaled him. In some scenes, I feel like he surpassed him. Oh, definitely. Um, But it's not really his movie to be the charming guy. You know, it's Tom Cruise's movie. So they do give Tom Cruise all those moments to be charming. Um, and so I'm curious how that would have worked out if they gave Henry more of those. Uh, because he can pull it off. I mean, I've seen it in other movies. Um, and so I, I would have liked to see a little bit more of that. But um, more on that later. Uh, talking about him, what about the characters in general? I mean, did you enjoy the way they did them? For me... I I actually can't think of any character I didn't like. I'm there were there were several characters in this movie actually, uh, and I liked all of them. Yes, even even down to some of the extras that were in this movie that had a more prominent role. Uh, for example, there was a cop in this movie that was shot, and she did a stupendous job. I feel like mm-hmm. with just representing um, you know who she was in the movie, and then all the way up to the top with Tom Cruise and Henry Cavill. I mean, you got Alex Baldwin, uh, Simon Pegg, all of them did absolutely amazing. And I really, I'm with Caleb. I cannot think of one instance where I saw a character and thought, that really doesn't fit the tone of this movie. Yeah, it, everything tonally fits. I will say that uh, Ving Rhames, there were a couple moments where his line delivery didn't exactly land for me towards the end. It felt a little bit flat, but I've kind of always felt that way about him. Um, I think he can be really good. I think sometimes he can be a little bit more flat, so that's not surprising, and I don't really fault the movie for that. I think it's okay, uh, because the rest of it is just so good. It's very tight and integrated, um, and everything the characters do makes sense. Uh, characters make mistakes in this movie, actually, which I don't really remember happening in past Mission Impossible movies. No, this movie, as a total, without spoiling anything, just came across as more realistic there were mistakes made which seemed realistic you know because everybody makes mistakes and i wonder if there were certain things that i saw i wondered if they had made a mistake during filming there was mm-hmm. a couple scenes that i saw but they just kept them in there because it worked out it panned out in the end and it made it seem more realistic uh, yeah there were a couple moments where uh i thought one thing was happening and it turns out something else is happening. Oh, you mean the entire movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, this movie is full of twists and turns at every corner. Um, as soon as you know what's happening, you don't. Uh, so <laughs> don't don't think that you do. Uh, but that's a good thing. Like there there are times where something happens. And I'm like, oh, this is what they're going to do because this is the trope, right? Um, and they subvert that either by 
doing that in a different way or not doing that at all or some other things I don't want to say specifically. Um, but I, I really actually enjoyed that. Um, it, it really helped keep it fresh in a way that the others have felt fresh, but I'm not sure if I remember them feeling this fresh, if that makes sense. The others felt, don't get me wrong, I love the Mission Impossible universe, you could say. I've loved all the movies up until this point, and this movie was just the cherry on top for me. I I went back and watched the first movie before this movie to compare, and you can definitely tell the tone difference and the different action that they do just compared to the first one, which was like 1997 or something, but just compared to the 20 years, the action scenes themselves and the way that the characters act have unbelievably changed for the better in my opinion yeah there's a clear evolution i feel and this movie is really the first sequel like obviously there's been six of these movies now they all take place after each other none of them really have anything to do with the previous movie um the last one rogue nation i guess you could say it had a little bit to do because you had uh alec baldwin returning you had jeremy renner returning but aside from those, like, you really didn't have a through line. I mean, Vin, Ving Rhames, he came, he comes back, but plot-wise, Yes, right? yes. I would, I would say the only thing that has carried through in these movies is with uh, Michelle Monaghan? 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 Monaghan, yeah. Um, with her being the wife in these movies, the Tom Cruise characters. But yeah, but see, that didn't even happen until the third one. No, I, I mean, I know you're right. That nothing has carried through completely which i think would have been really cool to see mm-hmm. um and there is something in this movie which we'll talk about in spoilers that does carry through but um with her i like how they had kept her going and it's just nice in this movie to see something else being brought up from the past movies which yeah, th- we'll talk about later yeah this movie it, i feel like it does that a lot actually it does that in some I don't know if they're intentional, but there are several callbacks to past movies um, in just the situations that the characters find themselves in. Um, there are callbacks to past events. Like I said, this is the first real sequel. I really don't remember the last movie all that much. And so I didn't remember that Solomon was in the last movie or that he was the villain of the last movie until they started talking about it. And I was like, oh, wow, I can't believe I don't remember that. I've only seen that movie once. I saw it when it came out two years ago. So, speaking of Solomon Lane, I think Sean Harris did a amazing job of portraying that character. That may be one of my favorite characters in this movie. The way he comes across being so cold mm-hmm. just makes you really believe he's a terrible person. Yeah. And he... um, Do I want to say this? He His role in the movie is not quite what I expected either. Uh, based on the trailers. I would agree. I, I thought the movie was going to have one focus. And that was not uh, the focus of the movie. Which I complained about in... Was it Ant-Man? Yes. Yeah. Uh, but in this movie, it, it, it helps it. Yeah, in this movie it works. Uh, because this is a spy movie. It's I mean, it's, it's meant to have twists and turns. And, and it does it in a really, really good way. And uh, he was really good. And seeing... I mean, it's in the title, Fallout, right? Tom Cruise, Ethan Hunt has done a lot of things over the years. And some of those things are coming back to rear their head again. Uh, One of them is Solomon. 
And I feel that the way they tied that together, I would like to see more of in future movies, but I don't want it to be to the point where it's like, uh, story starts at first movie, story ends at third movie. I don't think that works really well for these movies because not everybody sees all of them. No, I, I agree. I, um, something, something that I like about this is that each movie can stand alone by itself, but yet there's a couple that you can put together and make connections, which I thoroughly enjoy because if you don't want to watch, if you wanted to go watch Mission Impossible 6 right now, you wouldn't have to watch 1 through 5. You would not be confused. The, well, the only thing that might get you is Solomon Lane, which is a little bit confusing. Yeah, the, like I, I was confused at the beginning of this movie because I thought I had missed something. Looking back, I didn't really miss anything. It just kind of throws you in. It gives you a lot of information at the beginning. Uh, but there are ties to that last movie. They do explain them, but you might be confused with those and you might not get as much out of it as you could have if you knew that going in. You would be better off watching five, but it is not impossible to watch this movie uh, without watching five. <laughs> hey, I'm standing in for Zach. I got to throw some stuff in. <laughs> You're not wrong. Um, so I think that might do it. Do you have anything else you wanted to cover before we jump into spoilers? I don't believe so. All right. So rankings, uh, guys, you know, my rankings by now, uh, I think I would give this. You probably couldn't hear that. I did a drum roll. Uh, (laughs) I would give this go to the theater. This movie, while you could enjoy it not in a theater, perfectly fine. Uh, There are some really stunning shots in this movie. The cinematography is really good. Uh, I think the way everything is shot works really well. And seeing it on a large screen, I saw this in a format called Extreme. It's similar to IMAX. Uh, Seeing those vistas and the action sequences on the big screen... I don't know if I could say it was awe-inspiring exactly, but it was very, very impressive. And you just aren't going to get that when you watch it uh, on a TV at home, given that's not the main focus of the movie. So you can still get a lot out of it, but that I really enjoyed. So I would definitely suggest between that, the plot being really compelling. I'm not sure if we actually mentioned the plot. We did not. The plot, we've we've hinted at it. It, it twists and turns. It is It's very hard to talk about without talking about spoilers. There is no one plot in this movie it's a bunch of plots that at the end come together but watching it i don't i didn't think that there was one specific plot going on because it kept changing with the twist yeah but it's not like ant-man where they were just separate and they came from nowhere these kind of all spun out of one thing yes and then come back together at the end uh, in a really satisfying way plot wise this might be my favorite mission impossible that is a very good possibility. I'm trying to remember. It's been a long time since I've seen all of the others. Uh, but the the plot is just really good in this one. And it makes a lot of sense. Um, so between all of that, I definitely think you should see it in the theaters. I think it is worth the price of a full price ticket. Um, and I, I really enjoyed myself. And I would expand on that, Caleb. For my ranking, I'm kind of going to do the same thing that you did. You know, go to the, go to the movies, go to cheap movies. Um, Netflix, wait for free on on demand. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say you need to do all of the above. Oh, this, wow. This movie is amazing and it has so many twists. I, I have only seen it once and I definitely am going to go back to see it again and maybe again after that. I 
want to see all these twists. Um, and knowing that it's not the movie that I expected going into, I want to see how I appreciate it the second time. Yeah, I think there's a lot of things you would notice the second time, knowing how things end up playing out. Most definitely. All right. So that covers us for spoiler-free uh, content. This is going to start the spoiler section. So please turn off, turn away, turn your ears off, look away. Look turn away. back now. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen Mission... Uh, not Mission Impossible. Have you seen um, Series of Unfortunate Events? Of course I have. Who has Look away. <laughs> look away. Look away. Look away. And that was your warning right there. <laughs> yeah, so we are going to start spoilers right now. Caleb, your mission, if you choose to accept, can we enter spoilers? I wonder, Jacob, have you ever chosen not to? <laughs> uh, yeah, so we are in spoilers now. So, Jacob, um, I'll let you start off. What, what do you want to talk about? What don't I want to talk about, Caleb? <laughs> um, I'm actually going to start out with the beginning, which is one of the only things I did not like about this movie. Okay, I yeah. The movie opens up with uh, Ethan Hunt in a dream. Nightmare, actually. We don't know it's a dream. Yes, yes, you, you are not aware of it. I mean, I, I knew. I figured it out. Well, eventually you do, because, I mean... It's, it's very short. It's only like 30 seconds. Yeah. So he wakes up in his apartment and uh, a Kaleo comes by, hands him a book. He opens it up. It's the typical Mission Impossible thing with the your mission if you choose to accept uh -huh. thing. Um, and it's a projector inside a book. And it's talking about the mission. <sighs> Here's my issue with it. It is needed. It is most definitely needed. And I appreciated it. Problem is, they go on way too long at this beginning. It yeah. was it was going on and on, and I was almost torn to off of the beginning of this movie when it had ended. Wow. Okay. So I had an opposite reaction. I was really intrigued, but I had information overload because mm. uh, they he opens the book and they talk about it, and they give you so much information, and they talk about two or three different people and locations, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, did I miss something? Is this from the last movie? Because it kind of feels like it. Um, and I, so I'm just kind of reeling at this point, trying to wrap my head about, around what, what's going on, what's the plot. Um, and a lot of it is actually resolved really, really quickly. Oh, most definitely. My, see, my problem was with the speed that they were going with it and it just sits there and you, you needed it. And I enjoyed it for the first, I don't know, it probably goes on, what? Three minutes. Two, yeah, two or three two minutes. Two or three minutes. And, which is fine. But the way that they did it, after a minute and a half or a minute, I was, I was kind of done with it. I was tired. It's a very monologue voice. Yeah. And it's, it's in a dark place and not a lot is going on. Pictures are flashing up on the screen, but they're talking so fast and it's so much information. You can't hardly follow it. Yeah. It's, it's really hard. But as the movie goes on, you do kind of figure out. Uh, what what they were talking about and what's important and like the whole movie basically starts with this this is a thing that spins out but um ethan hunt loses what is it it's, it's not plutonium yeah it's plutonium it is plutonium it's okay. three cases of plutonium yeah so he basically loses the plutonium and this is a big mistake i was talking about in the non-spoiler section that he makes and 
I thought that there were several times I thought this movie was going to go really, really dark. And then it reveals that it didn't. And this is the first one because they lose it. Uh, it cuts to him in a hospital with this dude that was also very confusing. He's one of the guys that was in the brief. Um, and on the TV, three nuclear bombs have gone off. And I'm like, oh, wow. They just destroyed like three major cities. This is the guy that has built these bombs or was going to build these bombs. Because what you find out is that this has not actually happened. Yeah. Uh, Simon Pegg's character has hit him with a car and he's woken up in a fake hospital room and they make him believe that he's been in a coma for so long. Two weeks, I think. Yes. And so he thinks that these bombs have gone off and he ends up giving information um, to them that helps him find these bombs before they do go off. But the whole thing is this is going on and you don't know it's fake. Yeah, so I, I thought that they blew up... It was three cities. One was Mecca. They were all uh, religious cities. Yeah, one was Jerusalem, I mm-hmm. think. I don't remember what the third one Neither was. But like I, I thought this was mind-blowing. Um, and, and in the scene before this, I kind of skipped it. I thought that they had killed Ving Rhames. I did, too. Like, like th- this movie, what I both appreciate and wish it kind of did more was Mission Impossible kind of has always been... The beautiful spy, right? Yes. Meaning they don't really show what it would be like to be a spy in this situation. They show a glamorized version. Mm -hmm. And this movie, I thought they were going to start going towards that real life spy because Tom Cruise makes the decision to turn around and shoot uh, while his friend is being held captive. I thought he shot through him to get to the guy behind him so that they wouldn't lose the plutonium. And I was like, that is really dark. That is very intense. But it's kind of, it's probably what would actually happen in the real world. See, I definitely thought that because he said, I'm sorry, before he does it. Right. And And they're trying to play that up. Oh, yeah. And then I also thought maybe he was trying to shoot the guy, you know, over his shoulder or something. And he missed. He missed. Yeah, I thought that too. Because you see Ving Rhames' character fall down and then the guy starts running away. Then he gets shot. But you're not sure... You don't know what's happened, but it's only about a period of 10, maybe 15 seconds. And then Tom Cruise's character goes up there and he checks on him and you can see that he's still living. He's wearing a yeah, bulletproof vest. and he's fine. And these are the kinds of twists that just go throughout the entire movie. Like, I almost got whiplash from watching this movie. Oh, yeah. Because it goes around so fast. Um, I was I was also going to say, it, it was insane to think that Ving Rhames' character has died because he has been in... Every Mission Impossible so far. He has been the only actor with Tom Cruise to have been in every single one so far. So to me, it also kind of made sen- sense to kill him off because that was something major. You know, and this movie has that dark tone that we have talked about. And so I thought, what better thing to do than to kill off a character that has been with Ethan Hunt this entire time? Yeah, and it it really would have fit with the Fallout theme. While this movie does confront Ethan with a lot of things from his past, there's not really any ramifications to it. Mm-hmm. And I would have liked to see some permanent ones. Like, maybe Ving Reams dies, maybe some other people die. I would have actually liked to see those bombs go off. I, I really liked the twist, but I feel that it would have thematically fit better with the movie. Because, I mean, how do you have a movie called Fallout 
When there's no fallout at the end of the day. I was going to say, this is one of my other... It's a smaller problem with this movie, and I guess we can go ahead and jump into it, is with this movie, you almost have to, but they put a timestamp to every single thing in this movie, which to me, I have an issue with that, because you can have a great movie without these timestamps, you know, without a character having to do something before time runs out. We talked about an Ant-Man, they kind of did the same thing. Well, you guys talked about an Ant-Man, they kind of did the same thing. Mm-hmm. And this was my problem with this movie. Every single thing was they were trying to get these bombs within two days, but then they also had to get this person before they left a party, and there was just constant time things, which I get because it is a spy movie. I understand that. But at the same time, it would have been nice to maybe have them, you know, do these sort acts, but not feel pressured. See, I disagree, because I think that most spy movies have that element, and the reason it's there is to build tension. The reason I didn't like it in Ant-Man is because it was some arbitrary thing they threw in at the very last second, after they've already talked about this stuff, at the very end of the movie. Didn't make sense. It didn't make sense. It didn't feel integrated. Here, it all makes sense. If you have a person that's got these nuclear bombs that you're trying to prevent, there is a time limit, right? There is a literally a ticking time bomb that you are trying to stop. And so when you're trying to get to them through other people, those have time limits as well. Like this, if the only way to get through them is this one person and they disappear off the map, you're done. That's true. I guess maybe I was just not expecting as many. Maybe that's what it was. It felt like every single thing had a time limit. Instead of the overall plot having a time limit, Yeah. it was every single thing. And maybe that's what got to me. But the only other thing, other than the first part of the movie that I didn't like, was that there was no lasting ramifications, like you said. It's... These, every Mission Impossible has not had, I mean, there's been a few, but not super big ramifications, which I don't like because I go to the movie knowing everybody's going to be okay. Nobody's going to die, really. Uh Uh-huh. You know, which it, I would, I agree. It would have been nice to see someone major die in this movie. Well, I I guess there is one person that does, which is uh, the IMF head. Alec Baldwin does end up dying. But- He's almost like a side character. And it's like, you know, I'm okay with going to Mission Impossible movies and no one coming out hurt. Mm-hmm. But when you name one Fallout and you advertise it saying all of your good intentions are coming back to bite yep. you, they pose some really interesting questions in this movie like that. And he's asked at one point, did he ever choose not to accept a mission? I thought they were going to explore that. Maybe he didn't accept one and something really bad happened. Which they kind of talked about with his wife near the end is that if Ethan Hunt is not in the field, bad things are going to keep happening and he's going to fit it on his conscience. And I think that's why he has never not accepted a mission before. Yeah, but they didn't really go into it. Like they talked about it a little bit. But if that's the case, there should have been something that happened while he was married that he missed that caused him to be that way. Yep. There there should have been an event um, and we should have seen it. Or we should have seen the fallout of it. Um, because that theme really isn't carried through. It's just an idea they pose. And uh, I... I mean, it's tough. Because on one hand, I really enjoy this movie. But on the other hand, thematically, it's got some issues. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, every movie's going to have its issues. But I think this movie, the issues are so minor. You, It's not yeah. huge. It, do, it doesn't ruin the movie for you. And sure. It, it doesn't even decrease your enjoyment of the movie because while you're watching it you're like wow this is a fantastic movie i was sad to see alec baldwin go because i feel like he just got in these movies i mean i think he was in four 
and he was in five, of course. Um, and he died in this one, which means we're going to get another head of IMF, which mm-hmm. it, I, on one side is frustrating for me, but at the same time, it's kind of a tradition at this point. You had one in the first movie, you had a different one in the second movie, you had a different one in the third movie, <laughs> you had a different one in the fourth movie, who then died and got replaced with Alec Baldwin. Yep. Now we're going to get another one, which I don't even know who it's going to be. You know what I would like to see? I would like to see Ethan Hunt take the vote. I thought about that, actually. But the problem with that is the only way that works is that they're handing off the series. Because yes. the whole thing with this movie is he's got to be out there. He's got to be doing these things. Mm-hmm. And if you immediately do a 180 and say, oh, no, he's going to be the head of IMF, that he, doesn't work. He could still be involved with things, though. You know, I feel like he would be the type of head where he would send people out and then he would follow them, you know, to make sure they were okay. But even even if it wasn't Ethan Hunt, I'd like to see someone on his team. Maybe Simon Pegg's character. Uh-huh. Yeah. That would be really interesting. I would have really enjoyed Henry Cavill taking that role. Yeah. But uh the I guess the big twist of the movie is that he's he's part of Solomon uh Long Lang Lane. Lane. Solomon Lane's uh group. He's not part of the syndicate, which was his group in the last movie. And I can't tell if he's part of the Apostles. He is not. He is someone that um, he is not with Lane specifically. The only reason he is helping Lane is to get the plutonium. He does not actually care about Lane's life um, or the disciples' goals. But the apostles are the ones that apostles. are trying to get the plutonium. Yes, but he's trying to get it from them. Remember, he makes a line in a movie where um, it's whenever Simon Pegg's character disguises himself as Lane. Mm-hmm. And he says, I don't care about your organization. I don't care about you. We made this deal so I could get the plutonium. Yeah, but the Apostles are not Solomon's group, is what I'm saying. Oh, see, I was under the impression they were. No, I don't think so. I think his group was the Syndicate, um, and the Apostles... Actually, yeah, because Henry Cavill at one point says that he wrote that manifesto, which is what all of the Apostles are doing. See, this is one of the things that confuses me in the movie, because at the beginning they say that the Syndicate, most of them were hunted down. But the rest of them that are living call themselves the Apostles. Oh, did they? Yes. So that's why I was confused. I don't know if they're independent of Lane now. Okay. And they're just going after the Plutonium. Because nowhere in this movie did any of the Syndicate go after Lane. Yeah. I think I think that is a bit vague. Uh, we only ever see them once in the movie when the Plutonium is stolen at the beginning. Yep. And then they kind of just disappear. And the guy in the hospital, I think, was part of the syndicate. But after that, you... No, he was part of the Apostles. Apostles. I'm sorry. That's what I meant. Sorry. <laughs> it's so confusing. There's so many groups. The IMF, the MI6. There's so many groups in this movie. Um, But, yeah, he was a part of the Apostles. But I, I agree. After that, you don't see them. And it would have been nice maybe during one of the final fight scenes to have them come in. And you're like, oh, I forgot about them. You know, but they were major... Uh, terrorizing group so they would be there it makes sense Mm -hmm. for them to be there yeah so i want to talk more about the henry cavill twist um i was surprised and not surprised at the same time because i thought in all of the press for this movie they talked about him being the villain Mm -hmm. um and so the movie started and he wasn't the villain and based on the trailers what i assumed would happen is he got on the team with ethan and then like he turns on him or they have a disagreement and they start fighting. In fact, I thought that they were fighting 
in the bathroom in the trailers. Oh yeah, me too. I meant to go back and look at that to see if it's cut that way. I think it's cut that way on purpose. Yep. Yeah, um, because they they mirror a reflection of Ethan Hunt walking to the right when in the movie he's actually walking to the left, and then they have Henry Cavill coming from the right and he's rolling up his yeah. sleeves. Yep. Yeah, and so they're not actually fighting in that scene. And so as the movie went on and on and on and on, I was like, maybe Henry's not the villain. Like I I I got invested with him being one of the good guys, and then at the most insane moment, he outs himself, and it's not like built up, but it's done really really well. See, I was going to ask, is that when you noticed it? It was actually before that, when the movie revealed it. It was a very subtle way. Remember when they were in the bathroom and they were fighting the um, Asian gentleman, I don't remember his name, but they were fighting him and his phone cracks? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Henry? S- Henry, thank you, Superman. Um, takes the phone back to the CIA leader, yeah. director, and hands it to her. It is not cracked then. He has switched the phones. So what I thought had happened Mm -hmm. was, you know, the CIA is suspicious of the IMF. Yes. So I thought that he grabbed the phone, put his broken phone in the guy's pocket so that Ethan wouldn't grab it and took that to the CIA leader as dirt on IMF or on them or whatever, because they don't trust the IMF. Yes. See, I, because I was thinking about it because I I was, I was watching because I, they spe- they specifically zoomed in on the phone that was cracked, and I was like, there must be a reason, you know, because right. they didn't try to activate it there or anything. And then whenever he goes, the CIA director is talking about the IMF, and he states that he believes Ethan Hunt is the bad guy, which no point in this movie up to this point would you believe that he's the bad guy. So he convinces her after handing her a different phone that was in the guy's that was not in the guy's pocket. But we don't know that because he could have gotten that out of his pocket before Ethan got it is what I'm saying. Oh, no. Yeah. Like, it, it's not it's not telling us that he is. It's a potential of doubt. Like, I, see, I can I totally see, see where you start doubting him at that point. Mm-hmm. I was on the other side of that thinking that he was just doing what he's always been doing for the whole movie. I see what you're saying. Yeah. But you don't actually find out until he outs himself. No. Oh, yeah. Which was a huge twist as well. Yeah. I... I was shocked. It, I, I didn't see it coming. I thought it was done really well. The way that they trick him into revealing it was also really good. I was going to say, I thoroughly enjoyed Benji, throughout the, Simon Pegg's character. Throughout these movies, he started out as more of a support character. Yeah. And he has really grown into more than a side character. You know, a sidekick, I'd even say. Because he's out there on the front lines just with Ethan Hunt. And he's actually putting himself out here in this situation. Even though there was backup right around the corner. He could die very easily in this situation. Yeah, I think I think he actually has one of the only real arcs in any of these movies. Yep. And his is across like three movies. Uh, but he, he was really good. I really liked the way they use masks in this movie. That was one of them. Mm-hmm. That was really nice. They used it at the beginning. It was really nice. The technology seems to have adapted. They have a little like 3D scanner, and they can scan your face and make one instantly. Well, they've actually always had that. What they don't show in the past movies, like even in the first movie they have this, they don't have the handheld digital scanner. They just type stuff in, and then it pops out a face. Yeah, but... Before this. This makes it more believable to me, and it, it's faster than in the other movies. Yeah, it's faster. I, I think the other movies, they have like a database. Yes. But this yes. one... It's something they can deploy in the field. Yes, which is um, nice. Which to is see. which is really cool. They 
I think they kind of dialed back on the gadgets in this one. Yes, I was going to say, I thoroughly enjoyed that. They relied more on hand-to-hand combat in this one than they did actual guns, knives, you know, even which knives are still hand-to-hand. But anything that you can hold and use against your enemy to give you an upper hand, they didn't really use that that much in this movie. Yeah, but I meant more like from the, like, gadget, you know, tech side. Yes. Like, in the past, they've really heavily shown, like, oh, this is how they do the masks or something. Like in the first movie, the gum, where you bend it. Right. And it explodes. Right. I see. They didn't do that in this movie, Mm -mm. which, to your point, they relied more on those things. And I really enjoyed that. It it felt nice. It felt more grounded. Um, And... I don't know. I feel like the IMF has gotten smaller and smaller as these movies have gone on. Yep. Where now it just feels like Ethan's group. I agree. You never... There have been other movies before, you know, where an IMF agent has died carrying valuable information. Mm -hmm. And they have to retrieve it. But in the past couple movies, I can't really think of a big group other than Hunt's group. Which Hunt's group is not big, but, you know, a significant group. It seems like the IMF should just be called Hunt's Force. You know, like this. Right. There's nobody else, really, except for the director that we have really seen. Which goes into, where's Jeremy Renner? You're not wrong. It would be nice to have him come back and be in a movie, you know, with Hunt. And maybe, I would like to see, maybe pass it down. Maybe Ethan Hunt die. I thought that that's what they were going to do when they brought him in. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's the one after seeing it. He is definitely a character that could go through to the new iteration. But I don't think he's the one to take over. I don't think his charm is the right kind of charm. I could see that. That you need. Unless you're really going to shift the focus mm-hmm. to a different thing. Um, but I would like to see him come back. Apparently the reason he's not in here is because he was shooting Avengers. Because, you know, he that wasn't in sense. it. That would make sense. Yes. Yeah, that would make sense. Speaking about plot twist, Caleb, what did you think about Ilsa, Rebecca Ferguson's character? Uh-huh. What did you think about that plot twist? Which one? That's true. You got the one. <laughs> at, you got the one at the beginning where he's supposed to be. She's supposed to be guarding the Asian guy and kills him. And then you find out she's been sent from MI6 to kill Lane, while Hunt is trying to protect Lane to get to the Plutonium. Uh, it made sense to me. Like, I I kind of expected her to be against them. Mm-hmm. It is revealed, there's a retcon, that in the, I think it was the last one, when he met her, she was there to protect the guy that she ended up killing. And she, she killed him to protect Hunt. Yes. Which got her in bad uh, service with, with her people, with MI6. I don't know if that makes a lot of sense in context. I'd have to go back and watch the movie. Um, but, uh, like, I, I was fine with everything that happened with her. Oh, yeah. I just thought it was a nice twist because I I love when movies do this. I love when in one movie um, it's two uh, teammates, you know, co-workers, you know, friends. And then in the next movie something happens. And maybe not even directly with each other. Just outside forces make them go at each other. I'm a big fan of movies that do that because that's, I mean, that's life. You grow apart from people and your job, you know, you have to do things sometimes where, I mean, we're not assassins or anything, but you have to do... As far as you know. Don't talk, we'll find you. (laughs) Um, But you have to do things sometimes that go over your friend's head that you may not want to do, but 
I mean, it's your job. Mm-hmm. And so it's really nice to see the movies bring this in. And I, I think it really added to the movie's flavor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was just one of the many threads that are going through. I mean, we talked about it earlier. Solomon was not the main point, but he is the main point. He he becomes the main point because he spins out of the other plot. Yes. Even though he's not the main. It's, it's, it's really confusing to talk about. But, <laughs> I mean, it, it was really good. And one thing that I mentioned earlier that I really liked was how they did bring back some of those shades of the other movies. I mean, there is at least one really big motorcycle chase in this movie, mm-hmm. which calls back to the second movie. I was going to say, do you know the biggest thing that they brought back? I don't know if you caught it. I, I don't know if it's your thing, but at the end when he was on the cliff, that was a major callback to two because two opens oh, with yeah. him free climbing a cliff. I didn't even think about that. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about this. This is the thing where they actually carried it over from another movie. Oh, are you talking about the wife? No, Vanessa Colby. Do you, do you know her? The one, the, the white widow. Okay. She, the very first movie, the villain, is named Max. It's a woman played by uh, uh, Vanessa Redgrave. Okay. The white widow in this movie is her daughter. She states that she's Max's daughter and she has passed down these things to her, which was huge because I watched the first movie before this movie, you know, like I told you. Mm -hmm. And Max is a pretty big villain in that movie. And so to see them bring in a daughter of whole was a really nice through line yeah. to connect the movies. I didn't catch that. I had no idea. I mean, I haven't seen the original in years. Yes, that's why I would have never caught it if I didn't watch it. And that's why it was interesting because Ethan Hunt was acting different around her after he heard that. Because he did not know that she was her daughter. And then after he said that, you can see an expression on Ethan Hunt's face where he's like, this is not good. She may know who I am. But it turns out, you know, she didn't. Because her mom in the first movie ends up going to jail. And you don't ever find out what happens to her. Right. So I presume that the White Widow, her daughter, was already born by this point before she went to jail. Mm-hmm. And her going to jail made her go into this life of crime, but that she also works with the CIA. Right, which is another plot twist. Yes. <laughs> that comes later in the movie. I will say, um, I really appreciated how they brought the wife back. I was always confused. So she was introduced, I think, in the third one. The second or the third one? I don't remember which one. Well, the third one starts with him married to her. Okay. I, I think that's the first time you see her. Okay. And then, like, all this stuff happens. Uh, her getting captured that they talk about in this movie mm-hmm. was the third movie. And so I was always confused when they came back with four and five because she was in them, but not really. And I was like, are they still together? All the, Are they not? Gotcha. They explain it. Really, really well here. Yes. They are no longer together, but he kind of keeps watch over her. Um, and I, I like that. I'm glad that we finally have an explanation because I, like I said, I was just really confused on that front. Yeah, that can be um, very confusing because in some movies they do things like that and it doesn't really expand on it in the other movies, you know? Mm-hmm. Like it, they state it and I remember them stating it, but it wasn't, it was just a pass and go kind of thing they didn't sit down and say hey this is the deal so that the viewers could really understand you know if you watched it maybe three four times and you would probably remember i've only seen each other movie maybe twice uh-huh. maybe the first movie i've seen like six times i love the first movie 
But the other movies, like Ghost Protocol, I don't remember that much. And so if you sit down probably and you watch it several times, because I remember there being a line in there, a throwaway line that states why they broke up. But in this movie, this movie, I mean, they sit down and they pound it in. They make sure that you know. Right. Because um, Luther, Luther talks about it. Ethan Hunt talks about it. The wife talks about it. Yeah. The girl talks about, you know, they just really want to make sure that you understand what's going on in the situation, especially because they're bringing in a new significant other of hers, which is, which I thought was a big twist. It she- was. But I think that all of that's done to open Tom Cruise up so he can have a different girlfriend. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Which is Ilsa, I mean. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. I would be surprised if it wasn't. Well, I mean, that's what they did in the old ones, is he'd get a girlfriend, and then in the next one, he'd have someone else, so... Yep. Uh, you can never tell. Um, let's see, what else? I think that all the stunts in the movie were amazing. We we didn't talk about those specifically. The ending helicopter chase was so intense. That was amazing. When it first started, um, and, and Henry Cavill's character actually sees Ethan Hunt coming, and he starts shooting, I my my... First thought was, those bullets look really fake. And then I thought about it, and I said, no, they don't. That is a big gun. Yeah. <laughs> like, that, is, that is a big gun. And if you look at footage, you know, from wars or anything like that, or even war movies, they light up the bullets like that. It looks like a beam. Yeah, because it's hot. Yeah. And it would be impossible for you to see the bullets if they didn't do that. So at first, I was like, eh. But then as it went on, I was like, that actually works really, really well. Yeah. And... I, the chase, I mean, it was intense. It was very intense. And then when they got to the cliff, oh man, I don't, I don't think the rock that caught it could hold it like it did. Um, oh man, it, I think it would have chipped it as soon as it hit it, but it made for a really, really great scene. Cause I was thinking, I was like, you know, you know, Ethan Hunt's going to win. I mean, it's a mission impossible movie. The, the mission is actually possible, you know, barely. Like in every I, told, other one. I told someone the other day they should change the series name to Mission Possible because they always exactly, and then maybe parentheses Bailey, you know. Right. <laughs> um, but I was thinking there's so many different ways that Ethan Hunt could win this. You know, he could kick him, he could kick Henry Cavill's character down and bounce off the helicopter. You know, he could make the helicopter fall. But what I did not expect was him pulling the line and having the hook impel Henry Cavill's head. Right. And not only that, which probably would have killed him alone, but pull him down like a hundred feet into an exploding helicopter. Yes, he is not coming back. No, he's he's done. Which something I actually thoroughly enjoyed about Walker, which is Henry Cavill's character. I liked whenever the oil in the helicopter got sprayed on him and during that final fight scene, he was half blind. Like, the whole uh-huh. right or left side of his face was burned, and his eye was swollen shut. Yeah. I thought that was amazing. Yeah, that was cool in a lot of ways. One, because now he's Two-Face. Uh, <laughs> but actually... Blue lines. <laughs> actually, um, it's it's symbolic, too. He's a Two-Faced character. Oh, yeah. He was playing both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I like that from a visual standpoint. I like it from a practicality standpoint. I like it from a thematic standpoint. I think that's really good. Is it a little on the nose? Probably, but I also like it though because if you if you think about it, I think he is a better hand hand combatter than Ethan Hunt. Well, they call it in the beginning. He's a hammer. Ethan is 
a, a surgical kind of yes. fighter. You yes, know. a scalpel. A scalpel, that's it. Um. Yeah, and so, I don't know. If it hadn't been for that, I don't know if Ethan Hunt would have won. Because you see in the bathroom scene, Ethan Hunt is being destroyed by this Asian martial artist, which had insane stunts. Like, oh, yeah. That fight scene was insane, and and Walker's going hand-to-hand with him. And Hunt's just constantly laying on the ground, because this guy keeps laying him out, and Hunt can't do anything. Well, that goes into the fact that he's older than yep. Walker. Which is what we talked about before, spoilers. Right. Um, which, which, in this scene, you can clearly see that. Because, I mean, Hunt keeps getting thrown around, and you'll think, you know, he sneaks up behind him, and you're like, oh, this is where he gets him. The guy just turns around and destroys him, and you're like, oh, I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, which was nice to see, because in other movies, most of the time, Hunt takes down people with ease. Right. Which was nice to see in this movie. I don't know if he could have without Walker, or without that female. He couldn't mm-hmm. without the female, ultimately. Because that guy would have killed Walker and Hunt if she hadn't come in. Ilsa. Right, right. And shot him. Yeah. Right. Which, I also liked the comedy right after that. He's like, I need a face to make a mask. You know, because she, <laughs> she shot him in the face and it was obviously destroyed and so i just i love the the subtle comedy in this movie too yeah it's not too much to take away from the action it's just enough to add you know a little bit of tone change which i enjoyed a little bit of levity yes all right well we are coming to a close is there any last closing remarks you want to talk about i do not think so other than go out and see this movie this movie is stupendous all the cast did an amazing job. The studio did an amazing job. The cinematography, like Caleb said, is fantastic. There's a few nitpick things, but you don't really notice them during the movie. It's only after. And, I mean, 9 out of 10. It is a fantastic movie. Yeah, definitely. I think it is probably the best of the series. That said, I haven't watched the others recently. Uh, But go out and see it. Very, very good time. All right, Jacob. You know what it's time for? I think I do, Caleb. What's the time for? What you been up to? What? Okay. Uh, so, Jacob, I'll let you go first since you're our guest. What you been up to? Hmm, Caleb, what have I not been up to? Alright, so... I've been working for the summer, like you know. I'm in college, everybody. I love college. No, he doesn't. No, I don't. College sucks. But during the summer, I have a full-time job. So I have not had as much free time as I'm used to. But with my free time... I have been playing uh, Middle-earth Shadow of War. Wait a minute. What? The board game? No. The oh, video oh, game. Oh, 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 okay. Don't get me wrong. Yes. The board game's great. But the video game, fantastic. Okay. Have you ever played this one? That's the sequel, right? Yes. No, so I have the first one. Shadow of Mordor. I liked it. I played it for a while. The combat's really great. It's just super repetitive. That was my problem with it. Shadow of War gets rid of that, in my opinion. There's more things that you can do. There's more objectives. There's more side missions. The main campaign is really intuitive and really great. Uh, you you can make your own army in the second one. You can take over orcs. Yeah, and, I've heard that. Which I think is fantastic. Like Whoever came up with that idea is a genius. That It makes the game so much better because... You can go into battles with your own army. That's awesome. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, So I've been playing a lot of that. And then when I haven't been playing that and I get tired of games, I have been catching up on my DC animated movies. Oh, okay. Yes. I used to be 
uh, up to date on every single one. And I was doing a very good job. And then college hit me <laughs> like a smack in the face. Yeah, I did. So the past two weeks, I have watched three animated movies to catch up. Wow. And they have been Justice League Gods Among Us, Justice League versus Team Titans, and Team Titans The Judas Contract. Okay, and those are all within the past two or three years, right? Uh, I think the oldest one was four years ago, I believe. Okay. Maybe three three or four. Um, but I thought they were fantastic. The Gods Among Us is a little weird. Uh, it's not your traditional Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. Uh, the characters are redesigned. They kill. It's completely different okay. than other Justice League. Must um, be an Elseworlds story. Yes, it is. Uh, but at the end, they turn into more of the traditional Justice League. They don't kill anymore. That's weird. It's very weird. Batman is a vampire. So... Definitely Elseworlds. Yep, yep. <laughs> it's um, it's very interesting. He turned himself into a vampire doing an experiment. Um, Wonder Woman is a character that's mostly the same. Except for she's not from Themyscira anymore. She's from a whole other planet. Okay. It's very weird, but... If you if you don't think about it as a DC movie, <laughs> it's good. Well, because my problem is, I was watching these, I was like, these are not the characters, you know? Like, yeah. these are, I don't know who these are. These are strangers, imposters. Um, but if, if you don't think about it like that, if you just go into it as a fresh new movie, it was very well done. Um, Teen Titans versus Justice League, I think, was my favorite. Uh, very well done. It was nice to see those normally sidekicks facing their masters. Um, it's really cool to see. They're masters. I couldn't think of the word. <laughs> they're, they're heroes, they're counterparts, they're... I guess there isn't really a word for that, is there? Instructors. That's so one-sided. Right? All the sidekicks should should lash out and like demand that there's a word for... There needs to be a revolt. What, what if... Let's see. Sidekick. No, I've got nothing. See, that's what I'm saying. There's nothing. But um, that movie was really good. And then Mentor? Yes. That is a good one. All right. Mentor. Mentor. They face all of their mentors. Sorry <laughs> about that, everybody. Um, English is hard. So that's what I've been up to. Oh, and the, the Judas Contract. Very well done. That, that may have been actually one of my favorites. I think that one's based on a specific storyline. Yes, it is. That one is uh, completely Teen Titans. You have Dick Grayson in it. You have um, I'm I'm losing his name, but um, Batman's actual son, Damian Damian uh, Wayne. Yes, you have him in it. Um, Starfire, Cyborg, Blue Beetle. You know everybody that you typically have, but that one was a very very good story, and I think that may actually be one of my favorite animated movies, other than Batman Under the Red Hood. Okay, just of the DC ones. Yes, just of the DC ones, not counting the Marvel ones. Okay. I've got to catch up on my Marvel as well. Well, they haven't really been making them, so... That's, that's true, but even within the past 10 years, I haven't watched that many. Well, they don't have that many. You could knock them out in a month. Easy. I'll make it in a day. I mean, you could do that too, but... I have accepted the mission, Caleb. You shouldn't have. da da <laughs> <laughs> Alright, Caleb. What you been up to? Alright, guys. I haven't been up to a whole lot. Uh, I've been pretty busy... But what I have been up to is something that I thought was really awesome. If you were around on the internet mm, 10, 15 years ago, you would know that the king of animation and entertainment was a little website called homestarrunner.com. 
they kind of went away a couple years ago. Um, and then they came back. Well, I say a couple years ago. They went away quite a while ago. And they sort of kind of started coming back a couple years ago. Um, even if you're not familiar with them, you might be familiar with one of their creations. Trogdor, the dragon with a beefy arm. It is stupendous. Trogdor! That was lovely. Thank you for that. That was really bad. My voice like cracked or something. We should probably cut that. But we're not going to. Continue. I'm going to mark it for cutting. We're not going to cut it. So, Caleb, what was this? Burninating <laughs> the countryside. Burninating all the people. Burninating all the people. <laughs> they were well done. <laughs> So like I said, we weren't going to cut the other one. We all going to cut this. So uh, anyways, what I was saying is, Caleb, what was Homestar Runner? So Homestar Runner was uh, back in the heyday of Flash Animation. It, they, it was a website with just a whole bunch of funny animations, right? Uh, they had a whole bunch of different series. Strong Bad is a character from there. He has a whole family. Strong Mad, Strong Sad. <laughs> um, Classic. His pet, the Cheats. There's... Homestar Runner, there's Marzipan, there's a whole cast of characters, um, and it was really, really wonderful. I, I grew up on it, uh, but my specific thing that I'm talking about is they have gone to Kickstarter, which we talked about a couple weeks ago. Go check that episode out. It's good. And they are releasing a Trogdor board game. That's right, folks. You can touch the beefy arm now. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's on the back of a dragon. It's not that weird. It's anyway <laughs> completely natural. Anyway, uh, they are releasing a board game based on it, and it looks amazing. Uh, by the well, on the day that this episode comes out, it will have twelve days left on Kickstarter. So you should definitely go over there and check it out. But basically, the gameplay is you play as Trogdor. It's a cooperative game, and the goal is to burninate everything, destroy it all. I, I think they got that. Okay. Well, some people may not understand the word burninate. Let me let me break it down for you. Burninate. Burn. Eight. Burninate. To burn and eight. Burninate. Oh, okay. Well, now that you said it that way, that's awesome. much clearer. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so destroy everything. You So basically the gameplay is there's a bunch of tiles out that represent the land. As you, you can move across the land and you can use actions to burn the tile you're on, or you can burninate a person. They run around and wherever they touch, it burninates that tile. Or you can eat the person, which adds it to your health. And once you burninate all the tiles around a thatched roof cottage, you can burninate the thatched roof cottage. So what I'm getting from this, this board game is strictly 18 plus. It's a lot of killing. <laughs> it's a lot of boning people. No, no, no. It's, 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 <laughs> it's pretty simple. I think it would be a really good family game. Um, there's a bunch of add-ons and stretch goals for it that you can check out. But uh, I think it was, if you back it with 40 bucks, I think you get the game. Um, and as we talked in our Kickstarter episode, don't look at it as buying the game, but it's already been funded. So you're and, buying the game. Unless something goes wrong. Yeah. You'll, you'll get the game. But, you know, anything could happen. Uh, but it looks really good. Please go check it out. Please support those guys. They have 
fueled our world with much entertainment. Even if you never watched their stuff specifically, they influenced a whole lot of other people. Well, Caleb, that sounds very interesting, and everybody should check that out, because Caleb showed me the video, and I did not watch Homestar. I was very disappointed in Jacob. In fact, I'm very disappointed in Jacob, my wife, and my friend at work, Kevin, none of which knew who Homestar Runner was, or the website, and Kevin is an internet dude. He should totally know what they are. Okay, so, write us, write them, and let them know... Do you know what Homestar Vano is, and did you watch it? By them, he means us, because we're nerds? Yes. Because we're nerds at gmail.com. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. All the above. Any social media platform. That we're on, and check. Mainly of which is the three that he said. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But you know who you should also check out? Is his name Taylor? His, His name's actually Mr. Paul. Oh. Deadpool. Oh, wow. No! Taylorpoolmusic.com, uh, T-A-Y-L-O-R-P-O-O-L-E, music.com. He wrote the intro music for these guys, and it is fantastic. And I have heard a rumor that he's working on some new music for them. What? Who told you that? I have no idea. I would <laughs> never tell. So you should go and you should check him out. He does some amazing stuff, and uh, just let him know what you think about it. Awesome. So... Uh, I won't do that because I, I already check out his stuff, but... Well, there you go. What I will do is I will go check out my friends at CNT Power Hour over on Twitch, which you should do as well while you're waiting on our next episode, because they stream Magic the Gathering and video games throughout the week, and, as I'll tell you in a moment, there might be a tie-in with our episode next week. What? Also, please check out our website, uh, cuzwernerds.com, for all the platforms you can stream our uh what is this thing called podcast on (laughs) um it's about to get a new redesign so be on the lookout for that as well well awesome thank you so much caleb for having me on i haven't thanked you for being here yet jacob hold your horses okay i'm a i'm a backup hey jacob yes sir get out <laughs> no, thanks for joining me. Uh, this has been a great time. We should do this again. Yes, I agree. Thank you for having me on. It has been a blast. Thanks for listening to Cuz We're Nerds. Stay up to date on all the nerdy news and podcast releases by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also leave us feedback or comments at cuzwernerds at gmail.com. That's C-U-Z-W-E-R-E-N-E-R-D-S at gmail.com. And as always, if you enjoy this podcast, we would love it and appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Ever wondered what those guys at that table at that one game store are playing? Chances are, it's Magic the Gathering. Next week, we dive into a beginner's guide on the legendary card game. Is it beginner-friendly? How many rules are there? And is it a game for you? Find out next week on Cuz We're Nerds. Stay nerdy. Da-na-na. Ba-na-ba. Da-na-na. Da-na-na. Da-na-na.